off court side of the virtual hardwood, it's the MLSC Podcast. This is episode number 441. I am Andrew, Andrew in our forum, and Andrew MLSC on Twitter. As of Friday, I am also your webmaster and administrator for 21 years and counting. My co-host is Derek. He is DP3 in the forum and DP384 on Twitter. Derek, how's it going? Happy to be here, and congratulations. That's unbelievable. 21 years. It only seems like yesterday. And uh, yeah, it's, it's crazy. 21 years running the site. Well, I have a question for you, actually, to start the show um, related to basketball gaming, which is something else that you've been doing, you know, most of your life. Yeah. And, you know, what basketball game have you always wanted to play, but have never been able to get your hands on? That's a good one. Uh, I think with my collection, I've got I've got a lot of them, quite frankly. I, I think probably the Inside Drive series for Xbox. Uh, a lot of those I haven't played, and I know you've been playing them. I think you mentioned Shootout, too. I think there was uh, a Shootout game or two that you, you wanted to get your hands on, and you haven't been able to play them. I think Shootout 2004 was one of them. Yeah, some of the latest Shootout games, because they were uh, American exclusives, yeah. Yeah. And the reason I bring that up is uh, I, you, you noticed that I recently was posting gameplay for uh, you know a few different PSP games that I picked up, so PlayStation Portable. You probably noticed that I posted NBA 10, The Inside. Uh, you know, the, I, the All-Star Weekend, they have the Skills Challenge there, the three-point contest, um, the All-Star Game, and I even made a video for the NLSC channel uh, showcasing the All-Star Weekend events. That is a game that I've always wanted to get my hands on because I find it unique. Because what happened is they decided at the last minute to not produce and release a PS3 version of NBA 10, the inside. And um, it only came out for the PSP. So I I find situations like that incredibly unique. And um, I I think that the game, I I, I posted on Twitter, I said, very impressive gameplay. I find the game fun to play on the sticks it's loose it's it's not full of canned animations you can pull off a lot of fun moves and everything it's 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 just an enjoyable experience on the sticks so that was one of those games that i always wanted to get my hands on and i was able to play it um i picked it up at uh a local store for um just a few bucks and it was well worth it it's been interesting to see you posting the the clips of that game because again obviously haven't played that either and yes, an interesting situation where they cancelled the PS3 version, did they not? As you said, and they uh, and just released on PSP, the, the the platform that wasn't getting the most attention. Yeah, and I think that it's a shame. And somebody else mentioned that because uh, NBA 09 had a lot of good aspects to it. I thought I think the graphics were unique, and I thought they stood out. Gameplay could have used a little bit of work, but visually the game was quite stunning. Um, people liked the modes that were in the game and everything. So it is a shame that they canceled the PS3 portion of the series after NBA 09, the inside. Now, you and I did connect, though, on NBA Inside Drive 2003. And we did have a game where we played co-op and whatnot. And you enjoyed yourself. So I need to get you on the sticks for NBA Inside Drive 2004 and Inside Drive 2002, because if you like 2003, chances are you'll like those as well. Absolutely. And I did pick up NBA Inside Drive 2002 for Xbox, which is supposed to be backwards compatible with Xbox 360. It's on the list, but for whatever reason, it doesn't work on my console. I've I've tried, well, actually, I'm on my third Xbox 360 now, and it still doesn't work. I've tried the 
new hard drive that I have, the bigger hard drive, which is not an official one. I've tried the official Microsoft drive, my original 20 gigabyte drive. Remember when that was a thing? 20 gigabyte hard drive for uh, Xbox 360. That can fill up very quickly. Uh, it just says that it's not supported for whatever reason. So I do actually own the copy of it. So maybe I'll check it out on the emulator. It works for me. Um, I did have an initial problem where it wasn't recognized by the system. And then what I needed to do was, it's weird, I had to sign into an Xbox Live account. And then it allowed me to play the game. Oh, I have but, one. I was signed in, yeah. Yeah, so that's wild. So when I did that, when I when I signed into an Xbox Live account, um, it did play the game. But Interesting. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not smooth. Let's put it that way. I know that they say it's backwards compatible on the 360 and whatnot, but the it has frame drops that it wouldn't normally have. The gameplay isn't quite smooth. Um, it isn't widescreen as well, which you know I'm a big fan of having games and you know being able to play them in widescreen and whatnot. But yeah, it's not um, it's not the best experience. So for me, you know, I have it for the you know original Xbox. And and I can play it and, and record footage that way. So and, and and share that with the community. So that's probably what I'm going to do. I gotta I gotta do a couple inside drive videos for the NLSC YouTube. And before we started recording, you actually mentioned that you had a, a recommendation to a capture video if you are a retro gamer. Yeah. So at B-Ball Video Games gets the assist on this one. Um, I was using a PS2 to HDMI adapter that was working pretty well i mean it's what i used to upload the shootout 2004 video to the nlsc youtube at gameplay and to the one that i did to my chat for my channel um you know Cavs versus lakers and whatnot but he found one that was a little bit more expensive but it's definitely a huge thumbs up and an improvement over the one that i was using it's from level hike so you'll have to look that up look up level hike ps1 ps2 hdmi adapter and it's 29.99 on amazon but what it does is it allows you to record in 720p 60 fps um, whether you're using an elgato or you're using a usb video thumb drive etc with obs like it is excellent quality for ps1 and ps2 games and you've seen me share some footage recently actually today of shootout 2001 and um some of that gameplay and that's recording and that's really good quality the clips that i shared that's using that uh, that adapter and um i think it's really important to have these pieces if you're a retro gamer and you want to share that content because people are going to want to see the games in good quality Absolutely. And like we've said, sometimes we've used emulators, obviously, to connect on Parsec or to get video, to get screenshots, the high quality screenshots rather than hooking up, uh, rather than hooking up an Elgato by composite cables or whatnot. But, but this is great to be able to play on original hardware uh, as intended and still get a great recording from them. Yeah, uh, there's a couple other things about it, too, that I want to, you know, explain. There is a 16 by 9 and a 4 by 3 um, switch on it where if you want to play in the classic four by three view, you just flick it to four by three and it has the bars on the sides of the screen and whatnot. And that's the picture that you get. Or if you want to play on 16 by nine um, and go widescreen, you can just flick the switch the other way. And it works like a charm. It, it absolutely works perfect. And the other piece that's great is um, level hike. The people that make this PS one PS two to HDMI adapter, do it for 
all the other systems, from what I gather. I think they they have one for Xbox, they have it for Dreamcast, all of that stuff. So um, definitely check out Level Hike. And, you know, if you're a content creator or an aspiring one, maybe you want to get into it, et cetera. Um, that's the cable that I would absolutely recommend to give you awesome quality. Definitely. Another of uh, these deals there. Yeah, there you go. I, I think it's important that um, we share tricks and give advice when it comes to, you know, how to record footage, you know, what tools to use, um, you know, the best way to share footage, uh, you know, the, the ways that we get some of these old games to run all of that stuff, you know, on the PC. Like, I think it's very important for us to share that stuff with the community because the people that listen to this podcast and I could run off a bunch of the names that I know that listen that are just hardcore basketball gamers and love retro gaming as well. They're like, hardcore they're super into this stuff right um and many of them do like to share footage and share their experiences and and whatnot but um, i encourage anybody out there that has any questions for us as far as like content creation to shoot them at us and i think you would agree shoot us those questions um and you know if we can help we'd love to please do because we want to encourage people to enjoy these old games to be able to go back to them whenever they wish so yes we definitely want to answer those questions we've been talking about getting those guides out there we are still working out a few details and we need to sit down of course and record those videos and write up those guides we do want to do that because there are more people expressing an interest in playing these old games which is great to see i'd like to think that we're playing a little bit of a part in that but we're not the only ones that are passionate about these old games so we won't take all of the credit as you said, you've been playing some NBA Inside Driver, quite a bit of it these days, and, and you noticed a rather interesting Easter egg on the uh, late Kobe Bryant's, what would have been the late Kobe Bryant's uh, 44th birthday. Yeah, so this is wild, and I shared it on Twitter, and actually a lot of people interacted with that tweet. So we were in the middle of our legend season on Inside Drive 2003, and we do have Kobe on our legends team. And I think it was middle of the first quarter, there was an inbound the inbounds pass. Kevin Calabro stated, I want to just take a moment and wish Kobe Bryant a happy birthday. And I thought that was really neat because Kobe's birthday obviously is in August. And that's not part of like the regular season, right? So they didn't have to put that in there. But because the game, the system recognized that it was that date in, you know, in real time, in real life right now, it it, it prompted that little nugget to be said. And I thought that was a really cool touch, and so did you. Those little things in games, and we've seen, a, we've seen some of them in basketball games before, obviously. My mind goes to uh, Sid Meier's Pirates, the 2004 version, where if you play on International Talk Like a Pirate Day, September 19th, it will actually change all the text in game to be extra piratey. All the characters will talk with extra piratey <laughs> dialect. Uh, there's a couple of Monkey Island games that have Easter eggs. If you look at the clock or whatever, and it's, if it's uh, Christmas Day or Easter or whatnot, it'll uh, Guybrush Streetwood will remark. Uh, if you look at the clock, it'll remark uh, Merry Christmas or things like that. So there's, there's little Easter eggs like that in a lot of games. There are some in basketball games as well. Uh, certainly in recent 2Ks, if you're playing on a certain day, of an exhibition game, a play-now game on a certain day, it will actually mention the day of the week, welcome to a Monday night basketball or whatever. So it's always cool to see those little details. But uh, yeah, that was a nice discovery. And you, you mentioned that in the tweet, you put it out there. As you said, people really enjoyed that. Uh, except for one person who kind of enjoyed it, but also thought it would be great to take a shot at people playing old games. And I thought we were past that. 
It bothered me because this guy has uh, 30,000 followers Mm. on his Twitter, too. So when he makes that comment, it, you know, and he quote tweeted it, too. Uh, Everybody that follows him, if they log on to the app, can see that. Right. And it discourages retro gaming, you know, classic basketball video game um, gamers and whatnot. And my response to him was basically my question for you is why not? You know, we had yeah. so much, you know, we had so much variety, um, so many different games and styles to choose from, you know, back in the day, you know, games with different unique options and gameplay features from one another. And it really it kept things fresh. And I talked about it on the last show about, you know, all the different releases we had in 2003 across the board, 2002 and whatnot. And uh, I think that's a ridiculous comment, you know, because I could say to him, I could say, you know, why the, why the hell are you playing NBA 2K22 when basically the gameplay has stayed stagnant or about the same? And it's a very similar experience than what you've had over the last three or four years. So why are you playing the same thing all the time? Exactly. Right. Like I could say the same thing, like, isn't that boring? So, you know, and mine would actually, I could have, I would have way more backup. Yeah. <laughs> and, in my stance um, as far as questioning him on why he continues to play that every single year. So no, I think it's ridiculous. I don't think people should be discouraged from retro gaming. Not only have we talked about it before, as far as it being super affordable most of the time to pick up some of these games, but you know, you, you have that variety. It keeps things fresh. It keeps things fun and all of that stuff. So yeah, that, that comment, I know that you reached out to me immediately when you saw it and were like, Wow, what a what a terrible comment! Yeah, what a dick, um, basically. Right. <laughs> I mean, you look at other genres of video games. There's a lot of people still speed running Legend of Zelda up of time for Nintendo 64, trying to get great times, playing the randomizers with the emulators, and, and playing these weird mashed up versions of the games, mixed up versions of the games where the items are in different areas, and you've got to adjust to the way it's uh, modeled up the game that way. So, and you've got people speed running the original Super Mario Brothers, trying to get world records and things like that. A lot of people enjoying older games for, for a plethora of reasons. So why not basketball games? Andrew, I want to say something really quick. When you play 2K, you play, you're playing, you know you're playing 2K, right? Yeah. It's that 2K gameplay, right? It's that 2K gameplay, 2K options, 2K presentation. You know you're playing 2K, right? That's what people have been playing almost exclusively for the last three or four years, Right. That's it. You know, people that only play the newest game or whatever, they're just playing 2K. That's right. And it's that experience every single time. There's nothing fresh or new about that. Do you see what I mean? Like, that's why that that comment bothers me. So, like, the thing is, is if I want to go back and play older NBA Lives, I could do that. That's a different experience. NBA Shootout, different experience. Inside Drive, different experience. NBA Fast Break 98 different experience um you know you go back even further nba showdown like you have all of these different gameplay experiences from different companies and whatnot it's not just that oh i'm playing 2k again oh it's that 2k gameplay so like that it's stuff like that that uh, in the words of peter griffin that grind my gears it's it's comments like that it's ridiculous at the end of the day. I mean, you see, you see so many YouTube videos where people say, oh, I'm playing the entire NBA Live series in one video or playing the entire WWE 2K series in one video or, or 2K or whatever, NBA 2K or whatever. So there, there's people that revisit old games 
if only briefly. So this idea that, oh, I've dusted off an old game and having some fun with it, that that's somehow wrong or or the uh, or something to be poked fun at is just ridiculous and of course we love doing it uh we connected this past week on parsec as we often do uh with uh, live 2001 i dusted off my uh, 96 roster 1996 roster for nba live 2001 pc because i got that working with the uh, controllers as i said last week i found out that there's a conflict with my logitech keyboard and mouse it thinks that they're extra controllers the only solution I've found is to unplug them and replace them with a, a generic keyboard, a basic keyboard and mouse. Uh, that, that's a fine workaround, though. I haven't found any other workarounds. It's the only game in the series that does that, so I think it's just one of those things I'll have to do to get uh, 2001 PC to run on a modern system and modern hardware, these particular peripherals that I have. So uh, that's fine, but we connected on that, and we played with that 96 roster and uh, had an, I won't call it an epic game, but it certainly went for a while. Do you think that the virtual version of Scottie Pippen was pissed off because I hit the game winner with Tony Kukoc? I'd say so, yeah. Yeah, it probably was, just like in real life. Um, yeah, we, we played against the Bucks on one of the higher difficulty levels, and it was, you know, kind of an up-and-down game as far as, like, a positive experience goes. There were definitely some frustrations in there and some ridiculous foul calls and some unnecessary bumping and, and all that. Um, but we ended up pulling out the win against the Bucks with the Bulls in double overtime, and that felt really good. Kukoc hit a jumper from about 15 feet uh, away from the basket on the right elbow, I want to say, and that ended up uh, winning the game. Uh, I think it's great that mod because it puts Jordan in the game and he looks great out there and whatnot. I think he's a little bit underwhelming as a player. I think we, we missed a lot of layups and it's not because of his ratings. It's just because of the way the game works on higher levels. Mm. Um, I think I missed three or four different layups in the first quarter with MJ. And I almost wanted to throw a controller at that point because I'm like, after I missed the third or fourth one, I was like, come on, this is Michael Jordan. I shouldn't even be missing these with Dan Dickow. The point is, is that we did get the win and it was fun. The second game we played against the Timberwolves, and that's my fault. I I hosted and I chose the Timberwolves as our opponent and we were using the Mavericks. And I don't know if people realize this, but Kevin Garnett is a pure cheat code in NBA Live 2001. He's the cover athlete, and when you play against um, Kevin Garnett on the higher levels, he never misses. He grabs all the rebounds. He's hitting all of his – he constantly pulls up from mid-range. He hits a lot of his mid-range shots. He'll dunk it from right underneath the basket constantly, et cetera, and we got blown out by the CPU. Um, I don't think we played our best game there either. I think we were kind of frustrated and burnt out. By yes. the second game, and I think that was showing in the way we were playing. Um, not a lot of great moments in that one, but um, all the great moments were by the computer with Kevin Garnett. Let's put it that way. I mean, he is a cover player, as you said, so he, he should be dominating his own game. That was the, the special thing about cover players, and even to today, dominating with the cover player or playing against the cover player is, uh, is something special. Yes, yeah, so it was fun to dust off that 96 roster and uh, and play with it. Uh, it. It doesn't have a lot of extra details. It's, it's got a few jersey updates, changing a few of the jerseys. Less than I remembered, actually. Um, I almost want to go back and do a, a second version of that. or It's, a, it's already at version 1.5, maybe doing a version 2.0 if I can get some more art in there, if, if I can source it. Uh, I've already found a, a Dennis Rodman face, which I can put in there. and so, so I might throw that out there as a version 2.0, especially as we are playing with those old games. But... Live 2001, it's a game that I revisit from time to time because I have very mixed feelings on it. And, and Nate and Roger, we might have to get them back on the show to, uh, to, to do a rebuttal to this, but I feel it's a game that can be very hit and miss in that way. That it can be very fun, but then it can have a, a very 
tough session like the one we had because it can be can be great, but it can also be extremely frustrating at the same time. I think overall NBA Live 2001 is just a better game when you're playing human versus human. Yes. I think Good that point. when you play the CPU, there's a lot of frustration, frustrating aspects to it, and um, it takes out that true competitive human element out of the game, and like the frustrations can mount and whatnot. So I think that I, I enjoy Live 2001. In fact, you and I have had some pretty good sessions on it overall. It's just that second game against the Timberwolves. Boy, was that frustrating. Um, pretty much the whole game was frustration. I also want to point out we were talking about you know cover athletes dominating. So my brother and I played, and I shared this screenshot actually on Twitter. My brother and I played against the Heat in our Inside Drive 2003 season, and Pierce had Paul Pierce had 87 points against us. We ended up winning the game, um, but he um, and the reason why he's on the Heat is because he was picked up off the free agent list because we used the Celtics as our Legends team, so we had to release the players. But my God, I mean, he cloaked on the perimeter and he's still smoking threes he's driving in and throwing it down on our heads he's he's switching hands in the air and making these ridiculous athletic layups and you know it's because he's the cover athlete right like we haven't had a performance like that against us we're over 30 games into the season by anybody else not even close to that um but yeah they definitely overdid pierce and inside drive 2003 it's one of those things they used to do, I guess, uh, juice up the cover player. Make sure the cover player looks good. Although I do think that uh, Vince Carter could have looked better in Live 2004. But uh, then again, player faces in Live 2004 kind of took a step back. Uh, as we've said before, the uh, the change to that new engine did result in a, a one-year dip in uh, visual quality, but it was back up in 2005, of course. But it, it is special when the cover players dominate like that and when they look their best as well. Yeah, I will say this. So... Um... NBA Shootout 2004, I wanted to give Nate and Roger a shout-out because they, I, as I stated on the past podcast, they bought that game for, I think, $8 off of eBay and whatnot, and they had their first game, and they posted the uh, highlights of that game on YouTube. It was the Kings versus the Lakers, and they, I, I could tell from their, you know, basically their experience with the game, you know, what they said about it, that it's a little bit more arcade then maybe they would like but they're going to keep playing it but they both had a good time with it and they did post a lot of great highlights so please go check out the live 01 legends on youtube and check out that nba shootout 2004 gameplay video definitely and also a shout out to uh, vf baller who had a response to our last podcast uh, talking about the covers of various games he's collected over the years, various basketball games, just showed a small part of his collection. And I absolutely agree with what he brought up. You know, I love the interactive almanac aspect of uh, old games, as I've said in so many podcasts and articles, Derek. But he brings up a great point, too, that simply the covers of those old games are so nostalgic. And it's like pulling out an old magazine, an old basketball magazine, and or old basketball cards, and just being reminded of the, the style of the time. Yeah. I mean, he showed NBA Action 98, um, uh, NBA Live 98 and whatnot, and he has those in pristine condition in box and everything. And just looking at them made me want to pull my collection out, yeah. right? Yeah. It was just something about it. And um, I love the fact that, you know, he cares about collecting and, you know, for a lot of the same reasons that we collect and, and whatnot. And that was a great video and a great shout out. And he has a great selection. So anybody who's into basketball or football gaming, um, definitely follow at VF baller on Twitter. 
And uh, I believe a couple of other people in our community, including yourself, uh, had a couple of uh, good pickups the past week in, as far as uh, retro collecting. Yeah, so uh, Trent uh, at Cystic underscore Jedi uh, picked up NBA Live 99 for two ninety nine, And I think in the PC, yeah, it's a steal. That's the PC version. And um, I hope he got it to run. I hope he's been enjoying that game. Um, he's been, you know, a long time, you know, follower of basketball gaming and the show and everything. So that's pretty awesome that he was able to pick that up. And I picked up many different NBA PSP games, uh, NBA 10, the inside NBA 09, um, NBA 08, uh, NBA live 09, NBA live 08, etc. I got to tell you, there's this store that's near me, this local store. It's only about 10 or 15 minute drive from my apartment. They are the only store in the area that has classic basketball video games. And they have a lot of them. And I've been able to pick up so many games at such a uh, really super low prices from this place. And it has been a godsend. Like, it's been absolutely awesome. So um, I'm going to continue going in there. They're probably getting sick of me because I'm going in almost every day. But I'm going to continue going in there as often as possible to see, you know, what new games were dropped off at the store and all of that stuff. And, you know, anything to grow the collection. I mean, as long as you're spending some money. Every so often, at least, uh, they're probably happy to see you. Oh, yeah, definitely. I got a store card and everything. I, I got half off of NBA Live 09 for PSP because of that card. Yeah, so it's good stuff. So there's been a couple of other things that you and I have been playing this week that we'd like to to recap. My 2K14, my career, and your 1995 season with Stildo in NBA 2K19 on PC with that fantastic mod. But before we get to that, what a top 10 this week. How many great highlights were submitted? They were all great. They were all great. Everybody that submitted highlights uh, submitted awesome ones. And, you know, I'm partial, obviously, to the number one play of the week, which was from at B-Ball Video Games, NBA in the Zone 2000, where he's in overtime and he dribbles the length of the court with Rod Strickland and he pulls up from about 18 feet and he releases the ball with 0, 0.05 um, ticks left and releases it right before the buzzer goes off and he hits a game winner how cool was that shot looked great left his hand right before the buzzer went off um you just can't beat that type of highlight that that easily had to be number one but yeah we had you know king j mason there who i want to give a shout out as well just give, give a shout out to as well um with an under the leg poster on rudy gobert on blacktop uh, that was excellent, and that's on NBA 2K22. Um, we had VF Baller in there with March Madness 06 with a steal on one end and a poster dunk on the other. Um, just a lot of great highlights. Uh, the Live King, I want to give a shout-out to him as well. Uh, NBA Live 15 you know, with uh, Lillard. He's, he's really good on the sticks on that game with Lillard, you know, doing some fancy dribble moves and whatnot, and then crossing his guy over and then throwing it down two-handed in traffic and everything. Yeah, it was a great top 10, and I want to thank the community for all the submissions and whatnot. Um, yeah, it can't, uh, it doesn't get much better than that. It just keeps getting better and better, the top 10. We, we just have so much enthusiasm going with it. Uh, yeah, great submissions all around this week. And, and yeah, a buzzer beater. It's hard not to put a game winner at the top. And as I've said before, when you think back to NBA action, growing up watching that back in the day, the great, late great Jim Fagan commentating that, buzzer beaters tended to be, the game winners tended to be 
the top play. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. Especially when they're done that way. Right. Like releasing it right before the buzzer goes off. That dramatic. And then it splashes yeah. through the net. It's dramatic. And, I also want to give a down. shout out. He, he was trailing as well. He was down by one. Yeah, exactly. That's the other thing. He ended up winning by one by hitting that shot. I also want to give a shout out to at hookup guy, um, who was using a, um, USA basketball mod and did a dunk with Jordan on NBA 2K19 that was number five on the list. Just looked absolutely amazing. That mod is incredible. Uh, And Teddy Bear the Gamer, who um, also submitted a Jordan highlight. So we got a Jordan Bulls highlight in there and a Dream Team highlight in there. And it was Jordan, you know, with an acrobatic layup where he flips it up and it goes in i I did want to you know before we move on i want to give a shout out to king j mace who actually ran a tournament using parsec today on nba 2k22 it's the elite street league that he created the esl and what he did was he had himself and seven other members of the basketball gaming community jump into this tournament and he completed the whole tournament in one day i think it took four hours i think he started at noon and it ended at about 4 p.m he basically had street games and whoever, you know, moved on and, and whatnot and, and won the tournament um, got bragging rights. And I actually tuned into the stream because he had it on Twitch and I watched a couple of the games. And of course, there was a little bit of trash talk and whatnot. But my God, these guys were having fun. And he had a lot of people tuning in, a lot of people watching this um, this tournament and everything on Twitch. How awesome is that? That is what it's all about. You know, he's, he's got everybody, he's getting everybody on Parsec. He's got everybody having fun. You should have seen all the positive comments in the chat about, oh, like when a big dunk happened or, um, oh, he's going to get you, stuff like that. Like, it was what it is all about, what basketball gaming is all about. People are just enjoying playing basketball games, playing against each other, enjoying the competition, enjoying the, the show that, that other people are putting on with their competition. No prizes on the line. Uh, nothing but bragging rights. Yeah, I-, I love to see that as well. And and he's a great host. Like he's just a like, he's enthusiastic. He's very positive. He always tries to keep his streams positive and whatnot. He, he, another cool thing he did with this stream actually is he had classic NBA 2K and NBA Live music playing in the background. Even better. While. Yeah. Yeah, while the um, while the games were going on and everything, and there were some fun funny comments about the music in the chat and everything. They're like, I think a song came on from NBA 2K15, and somebody in the chat was like, "Yeah, this is like end of the barbecue music. This is like <laughs> everybody's about to leave. <laughs> this is that. That's the type of mood that this music represents and whatnot." But no, I thought it was absolutely excellent he did a great job running the tournament and doing it all in one day and everything so shout out to anybody in the community that's bringing positive vibes to basketball gaming and you mentioned that great mod uh, that work in progress mod the uh select team versus the dream team and and yeah just awesome to see that's going to be great when it comes out on uh, on pc i mean we're getting close to the release of nba 2k23 obviously we have some 2k23 news to cover this week the w and my team we'll be getting to that a little bit later on in the show but yeah, an awesome mod, and that's only going to continue with NBA 2K23 PC as well. Yeah, and that mod's for 2K19 too. So um, that's something that is a passion project for a hookup guy. Um, that's something that he's releasing for a game that you know came out in 2018 and whatnot. And sometimes those are the best mods, right? 
Because there's a lot of love put into those. There's if you're if you're modding an old older game like that, you know that you don't have the same audience, but you're doing it because you love it and it's something you're passionate about. Definitely, and and two K nineteen is a, is a game that I enjoyed and you're currently enjoying with uh, the ninety five mod. So uh, yeah, what's been happening with that? Yeah, so Ken and I actually still the thirty three. We played. Um, Game number 19 of my season. I was the Supersonics, and he's um, he was the Nuggets in this one. So he had Abdul Rauf and uh, Dikembe Mutombo and Lafonso Ellis and, and Dale Ellis and Rodney Rogers. It's a really fun team. I almost beat his magic with that team because I went off of Abdul Rauf. I ended up winning that one. Um, I ended up pulling away and you know blowing him out actually in the fourth quarter. But it was close through three. And he did a much better job with Abdul Rauf that Abdul Rauf than he did with Mark Price. I think he scored about 24 points with um, Rauf, and I thought that was a huge improvement for him because he's getting better at the one-on-one stuff and being more confident when he creates space. Um, that put me at I think I, I'm 19 and 0 at this point. He with the magic is either 14 and five or 15 and four. I can't remember. I'd have to double check that and whatnot. But I got to tell you something. We have a new renewed love for this season. And it's because we went back to the original sliders that we started the season with. And we're no longer complaining as much. We're, we're kind of just taking the game for what it is and working with what the game gives us. And it's a much more relaxed and fun experience playing the games now. And we definitely got to get him on the show again at some point to talk about how much fun we have when we connect and play this season because it really is night and day different from you know playing against the cpu or you know grinding and and all of that stuff it's just it's it's a it's a really fun time it really does sound like it and i'm interested to see if you can get the 82 and 0 because i just went 81 and 1 in my my career i had jackson ellis as i've said before and the jackson ellis and the pistons spoil the season as far as getting a perfect record so i am interested to see if uh, if you can do that if you can go 82 and 0 against uh against Stildo. no i'll lose i'll end up losing i got killed by matumbo in this game and that's not a good sign my biggest weakness with the supersonics in 2k19 you know that 94 95 team is interior defense uh mm. bill cartwright is my starting center sam perkins comes off the bench irvin johnson isn't that great in the roster and whatnot and matumbo way outdid what he should have been able to do against me i think he probably had like 30 points and 18 to 20 rebounds and i felt like i was getting completely dominated by him down low so all it's going to take is him using a team that does a very good and, and he does a really good job with that team that is really good at slashing and attacking the hoop and then you know, has a couple really good big guys that's just going to completely beat me up all game. So, no, there will be a loss at some point, but I'm, you know, I haven't I haven't lost yet, and that's kind of cool. Definitely. I think that's one of the best starts. Or oh, historically speaking, as of the 95 season, that 19-0 start would be a record. Yeah, and I'll take it. I, I think the thing is, is that we're both very comfortable with our teams. You notice he has a really good record with that Magic team as well. Um, we're very comfortable with their shot releases because we play on user timing. Um, we're very comfortable with their capabilities on the block and their capabilities defensively, um, where we know the players speed well and who can burst and who can't. All of that, like all of that, comes with playing with your team over and over and over and over again. So um, I think both of us are going to have outstanding records at the end of the season. 
it really does come down to that. When you play through a season with a team, getting to know the players, and, and in the modern games, of course, the, the shot releases, the animations, the ratings, you just know the players inside and out. And it's it's why a lot of people, when they play my career, they, they struggle to go back to... Uh, to the to controlling five players i know i did when after spending years of mostly playing my career in the connected modes i had to adjust to that i had to adjust to being able to play with multiple players when i went back and played some my gm games and franchise games and dynasty mode games again or or even some exhibition games because i'm just so used to using my one player that i've optimized for my play style with all the animations that i'm used to and those uh, souped up ratings and badges and whatnot that my career that, uh, that my players end up with but yeah it, it's great when you get to learn the, the team like that and, and just have fun throughout a season so that, that's really cool to hear now speaking of fun andrew nba 2k14 my career season four he hasn't missed playing one game he's played every game through four seasons and we're coming down the home stretch here where he's about to win his fourth his fourth nba championship in a row so what's going on with the season I mean, I don't want to jinx it, but I am two wins away from uh, title number four, fourth title in a row, uh, obviously. And, and yeah, it's been a very interesting season. I mean, as I said, 81-1. and one. Uh, Terry Hansen averaging 30 points a game for the whole season. Got him as a 30-point-per-game uh, uh, scorer alongside me with, uh, I think, was was I this season? 33 points per game. Uh, Camilo Anthony returned with five games left in the season. And then the first, uh, the first game of the playoffs against the Toronto Raptors. Uh, Hansen goes down in the first three minutes of the game with a high ankle sprain. He's suddenly out for the playoffs. Uh, he might be back by the final game of the uh, NBA Finals. If he might be back by game four. We'll see. But uh, yeah, been, been doing it without Hansen in the playoffs. So, he, so Melo comes back and Hansen goes out. So uh, yeah, it's been... Uh, haven't had a, a full-strength team for all season. Michael Carter-Williams also missed, uh, out for the season after 44 games with a, uh, a knee injury. So... Even though I've been dominating, it's been an interesting ride to have some very competitive games along the way. Uh, losing that game, uh, the uh, what would have been the 70 wins in a row, losing that game to the Pistons and Jackson Ellis uh, was kind of frustrating, but also felt very poetic. Uh, ended up facing them in the Eastern Conference Finals and, yeah, swept them. But, but man, they made it tough. That the, the final scores of some of those games do not reflect how much I was really battling the CPU uh, in those games. So... That was that was fun. That was very satisfying from a, a narrative perspective. And again, a narrative that's driven completely by gameplay. Nothing predetermined there, I hope. Um, you never know with Jackson Ellis. I think they might juice his ratings a little bit whenever you play him uh, simply to have that uh, that battle. But uh, but yeah, that, that was a, a lot of fun. Two wins away from the ending the season and two wins away from getting the, the champ, fourth championship and, and ending the season there. And then the the decision: Do I re-sign with the 76ers and stay with Hanson and Mello, or do I look to go to the Bulls or somewhere else? I, I say somewhere else; it's going to be the Bulls if anywhere. But yeah, I'm two wins away not from, not just from winning the championship, but also having to make a uh, a big decision about the game moving forward. Well, a couple of things I want to say. First off, you didn't even mention how much help you've had from NBA 2K15, my team legend Tony Rote. Oh, Tony Rote. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, you shared some highlights of what he's been doing for you in 2k14 he's had to step in and play a bigger role and he has been excellent he had that ex that that amazing drive that you shared with me earlier where he threw it down in traffic he was key for me in nba 2k15 my team he was the best player that i had when i started that mode on that game because he 
was a slasher. He could hit threes. Um, he was competent on defense and everything. And I used him as much as I could to win games early on. He's, he's a legend in my house based on what he could do in NBA 2K15. So, no, that's, that's awesome that he's doing that for you. But, you know, I look at you, Andrew, and, you know, I've known you for, you know, a few years now. And, hell, we, we've recorded hun- over 100 episodes of the NLC podcast together. We talk a lot and everything. I, you know, I pictured you more of the darker Duncan type. Pictured you more of the, the loyal type, the, you know, I'm going to finish my career with one team. So this is a little shocking. However, I, I totally understand you're a lifelong Bulls fan and whatnot. But, yeah, I mean, where's the loyalty? I know, I know. And that's, that's what I'm, the, the internal struggle, if you will. I mean, this is small potatoes in the grand scheme of things. But as far as my gaming, the struggle here is I do like that idea of being loyal. And of course, playing with Terry Hansen has been a lot of fun. It's a fun team. I've grown to really like the other players as well. Thaddeus Young, Tony Roten, as you said. So it's really cool to play with the 76ers. And I'm certainly open to, to sticking with them, if only for a couple of years until Terry Hansen's rookie contract comes up and we'll see what happens next, whether they retain him. If they lose him, then maybe I'm out the door as well because I'm not going to trust that process if they let Hansen go after all this. But yeah, it's, it's, it's that against my loyalty, as you said, lifelong Bulls fan, loyalty to them and wanting to and enjoying playing with them and on that team in my career um, in, in other games. So that's that's what I'm being pulled in different directions for. And there's kind of an inbuilt story there because they haven't offered me an extension, but they've already signed uh, Nolan's Noel and Michael Carter-Williams to extensions, despite the fact I'm clearly the star of the team. So there's kind of an inbuilt story of feeling unappreciated despite <laughs> four-time MVP and four-times finals MVP uh, coming up and really changing the culture, bringing winning ways to uh, to Philly. So... Yeah, I, I'm. I'm. I don't know if I'll make that decision until it's in front of me on the screen. Quite frankly. Yeah, isn't that awesome though that you have this like investment? Unbelievable. Yeah, like you, not only this investment, but there's this epic like tension, right? Like building up. Like there's the, there's there's tension. There's excitement. There's um, curiosity of what it would be like to play with another team. Like. It's it's almost like a real decision, right? Sure. Like yeah. you're real, like 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 in real life, like you're like you're the real player, and you got to make this choice. Um, yeah, I think it's really cool, and I love how into it you are, and I love seeing all the highlights and everything. And like you stated to somebody else on Twitter, you know, if you want to have a fun my career experience, and you want to just kind of get lost in the mode and enjoy, you know, just playing the game and the progression and all of that stuff, pick up NBA Two K fourteen. Yeah for xbox one um or ps4 and dive head first like andrew did and you might find that you're having an absolute blast i mean from the looks of things we're going to learn more about my career and uh the the city this week or certainly this week or next when it comes to uh to nba 2k23 and that's something i i've missed about my career in recent years is having that real focus on the NBA experience. And sometimes the, the story really takes you out from out of that because it's not about being an NBA star. It's about a lot of off-court stuff or as I've, from what I've seen of 2K22, there's a very contrived story in place where you've got a rivalry with Kendrick Perkins. And I'm sorry, I don't want Kendrick Perkins as a character in my, uh, my career. I'm sorry. Just yeah, to- that, sounds, that sounds absolutely terrible and something that I would not be interested in because I can't even stand logging onto Twitter and seeing he tweeted. Exactly. I can't stand, yeah. his, I can't stand <laughs> his tweets. I can't stand his voice. I can't stand his demeanor, any of it. So, yeah, that's not something that would interest me. 
yeah, we need to uh, carry on with that. But uh, yeah, it, it is something I miss about my career. I think they did a much better job earlier of, uh, of focusing on the NBA side of things. And I know that's because the online scene has gotten even bigger, and that's why the, the focus has shifted that way. But it's, uh, it's unfortunate that the NBA side has been impacted by that. I hope that there's some better news in uh, 2K23 in that regard. Again, I'm probably not going to get into my career in 2K23. I'll, I'll check it out for the sake of impressions and reviews and whatnot. But I, I don't think I'll be dedicating myself to it. But but yeah, if you are looking for that purer NBA experience, that NBA career experience, uh, a game like 2K14 still holds up extremely well. Yeah, the game's fun. This is a fun game, right? It's a, it's a fun game whether you're playing, you know, just head-to-head with another human or just playing play now against the computer or if you're jumping into my career. Like, it's just an overall good game. It really is. Before we go on, a reminder that the NLSC podcast comes out every week on the NLSC, me-live.com, as well as our YouTube channel. We're also on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and other podcast apps. If you're listening on any of those apps, we'd greatly appreciate a review. To keep up with the show and everything we're doing with basketball gaming in general, connect with us on social media. On Twitter and Facebook, we are The NLSC. We also have an Instagram, NLSC Basketball. And on YouTube, we're youtube.com slash NBA Live Series Center. Once again, visit us at nba-live.com, where in addition to the podcast, you'll also find all of our original content, as well as our forum and modding community. But yes, speaking of NBA 2K23 news, we got the uh, got the inside scoop on my team and the W this week, Derek. You got pretty excited about the fact that my team on NBA 2K23 will not have contracts. What an important improvement, quite frankly. I mean, I've been pushing for this for years. I'm clearly not the only one. They mentioned the popularity of this request. And I'm just waiting for some elitists to come through and complain that this has somehow ruined the mode, it's made it too easy or whatever. But... Contracts have been pointless busy work. They have not balanced the online game. They have not made the offline game better. Yeah, it's, it's an antiquated concept. I was so happy to see that removed. There's some other great additions and enhancements as well, certainly on paper at least. But if nothing else, removing contracts makes that mode so much more accessible. Yeah, I think the contracts, the way that they had it set up, was a little frustrating because you always felt like you were keeping an eye on them or you know you always had to apply you know new contracts and all of that stuff to your favorite players and it just kind of made the process a drag at times and you know you'd have like your favorite player for five games or something like that and then you already got to apply new contracts for them right in order to be able to play with them again and if you're out of contracts you're out of luck uh, and then there were certain players that you couldn't apply contracts to. <laughs> so yes. you'd have um, a great version of a player that you really enjoyed using on the floor and you could only have him for five games. So you could barely use him, right? It'd be like for five games or for eight games or something like that. So you had to really pick and choose when you use that specific player. So no, I definitely agree um, that it's been a long time coming. You know, if you earn a player, you know, whether you buy it, that player with in-game currency or with my team points or whatever, or if you, you know, if you earn him through winning uh, a challenge or something like that, like you should be able to have that player for the length of that mode with no restrictions. So um, yeah, I think it's a great move. 
And there still are free agent cards that are going to be limited use, uh, kind of the, those boosters that you throw, either throw in to use in the the seasonal challenges, the agenda challenges, or, or just to be able to use every now and again. If you want to have that boost, you can have those free agent cards. And of course, they contribute to the collector levels, which ultimately uh, get earn more rewards by getting more and more cards in the collection. So they are still going to be there. But for everyone else, no restrictions, no contracts. And again, people say, "Oh, but they don't cost already, They don't cost much. You know, it's just a few few hundred my team points, which you will be able to have on hand if you uh, manage your if you if you budget your empty wallet. First of all, that's extra busy work. And if it's so easy to to do to to get new contracts, and it's it's such a, a non factor, why have them be a factor in the game at all? Why have them be there? So this is this is overdue. Uh, I'm really glad to see it, and if nothing else, that improves the mode and makes it more accessible and fun right out of the gate. But they've also brought some new modes: triple threat online co-op, uh, where you can actually uh, co-op in my team for the for the first time, uh, just in the uh, triple threat, the three versus three games uh, to twenty one on the rooftop. There's going to be both uh, cooperative and competitive play. You can both make progress in your in your seasons with with my team when you play with friends or against them. Uh, there's going to be the clutch time offline version of that as well. You'll be able to play a game with the starter cards before choosing one. Uh, there's more lifetime agendas. Uh, there's the new takeover cards. So yeah, they've added some new stuff to my team this year, as they always do. And, and it sounds like they've really listened to uh, to community feedback, which is what we always want to hear. And you know what? If if you and I like the game enough, um, you know, I'd be willing to jump into that triple threat co-op option with you um and and play three on three you know you and i on the same team against the cpu because uh i think that would be fun and as long as the servers are are working well and you know the game is fun on the sticks and everything i think that we could share that footage with the community and maybe upload some content uh you know 2k23 content to the youtube definitely and this is something we've been asking for and thinking would be a great idea having some more play with friends options and Local multiplayer, that's not going to add local multiplayer this year. That's something I think they should definitely add in future years. But being able to play with friends in my team, not just against uh, a friend with a uh, head-to-head. I mean, that's a great option to have. That's been in the game for a, a while in my team. But having this, uh, this co-op option and being able to make mutual progress with your, uh, with my, with your my team seasons and whatnot and get that XP and, and fill, fulfill agenda items and whatnot is, uh, is just such a great move. Uh, again, something they've been listening to, obviously, the, what the, uh, the community has been asking for with uh, this kind of multiplayer and being able to make progress. And, and yeah, the fact that everything can make progress in the mode uh, in some way is, uh, is a great move. If the entire my team mode, uh, or the majority of it, was local co-op, like if they actually had that option, um, my brother and I, and I've talked about this before, would absolutely spend hundreds to thousands of hours on that mode. Um, it would be an absolute blast for us to do that. Even if the gameplay wasn't super fun, if it, if it was just, you know, if it was decent or good enough, it's just something that we would have a lot of fun sinking our teeth into playing all the different challenges, um, you know, acquiring all the different players, etc so fingers crossed that in the future that's something they look at and there's also little additions like uh, inactive cards can be sent on exhibition missions where you can cards that you're not currently using you can choose to send them away on these uh way to passively improve your uh collection and passively earn rewards is how they're putting it so that you can select a card kind of like when you grade a card and card grading is back as well that you select it it's not available for a set amount of time while it's on this quote-unquote mission 
but by doing that you can get some extra rewards here and there just a a good way of being able to make use of cards that are just sitting there dormant in your collection little things like that i think are a great idea that really enhance the uh, the my team experience yeah i think uh i think it, it sounds like my team this year is going to be a lot more fair to the gamer mm. i think that and and that's key that's what we want. It's going to make people want to spend more time on that mode and share the footage from that mode and, and whatnot. So, yeah, I think it's everything with my team sounds good. I really like what they're doing with all the offline content as far as like the Jordan challenge, the, you know, the my NBA eras options, all of that stuff. They are doing a lot of good things this year. I just hope that the gameplay is fun. Me too. And the, the presentation, to your point, the era-specific presentation is going to be part of my team as well in some of the challenges, in the historic domination they're going to be bringing that in. And that that makes sense. I mean, when we first talked about the Jordan Challenge, we thought, oh, this is, this is great, obviously, but the era-specific presentation is not going to be anywhere else. As it turns out, my NBA eras, uh, great use of it there, and again in my team. So if you're going to go all out as they have in the presentation from the looks of things, as we talked about on a previous show then absolutely make use of it throughout the game. And it sounds like they've done that. So they've really paid attention to those details, to the offline experience, the single-player experience. I imagine they've done quite a bit with the online experience as well. We'll probably be hearing about that this week or next. So yeah, I really like the sound of what they're, what they're doing with that. Having said that, I'm sure there's going to be ways that they're going to be pushing those recurrent revenue mechanics, those loot box mechanics, of course, looking at some of the new cards that they're bringing in and uh, things like the trophy case and whatnot. They're going to encourage people to try and collect as, uh, as quickly as they can. And the seasonal content, there's always that sense of FOMO. So there's going to be that sense. It is a money-making mode, so be careful about that pressure if you want to go no money spent. And I always advocate going no money spent myself. But, but yeah, that's inevitable with these modes. But it does sound like they've, they've gone out of their way to make it more fun and accessible this year. That is something they said at the top of the blog, and it, it sounds like they might have achieved that. So uh, you know, hats off to them for that. Yeah, we'll find out more as time goes on and people actually get their hands on the sticks and they jump into these modes and whatnot. We'll see, you know, what type of, you know, gambling mechanics there are and, you know, what they've implemented as far as, because they're not going to just lose all that revenue, right? They're not going to just allow themselves to lose all the revenue that, um, you know, that they were able to achieve in past 2k titles in my team and um and whatnot in the gambling mechanics related to your progression my career and all of that stuff like i think that um there's going to be that stuff obviously in nba 2k23 i just hope that it's not anything that really hurts people's experiences with the game i mean the suits are not going to give up their uh their revenue right that's the point right exactly they're not going to just suddenly be like all right we're going to throw out this these millions and mil- upon millions of dollars of revenue that we've gained from our money making modes um just because you know people might be frustrated with them yeah. at times because at the end of the day at the end of the day it's a business and Absolutely. uh and they're trying to see how much they can have hit their bottom line but hey, as long as they've devised a way to play it no money spent and it's not a complete freemium-like experience, then which is, it sounds like they've gone for that fun and accessibility, as I said, then it's still going to play really well. And it sounds like they've gone to the trouble of making a really fun mode that, yes, is going to have these uh, loot box mechanics. We're not justifying that. We're not saying that isn't a problem. It's kind of an uh, inevitability these days, unfortunately. So, but as, but as long as it can be, as long as they can be ignored as much as possible, especially playing single player, then uh, that is for the best. 
looking at some of the other additions they've made, things like being able to save defensive settings so you don't have to change them every game, uh, the agenda tracker being added to the pause menu for uh, convenience, uh, a lineup helper that indicates whether or not your current lineup uh, meets the requirements of the challenge you're going for, little quality of life improvements like that are always welcome. And uh, so on top of the bigger additions, I love that they're going for stuff like that and just looking at at ways of uh, of how can we make this just a little bit more fun and uh, less less frustrating from a gameplay from a gaming perspective. So yeah, good stuff there. Random comment. Uh, I, I got to bring this up. You know, I talked to you about um, maybe us teaming up on the, uh, my team on yeah. co-op or uh, that triple threat challenge. Is that cross-platform? Uh no. It, it's uh, it's 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 not cross-platform. Uh, uh, so that's one problem with it. Number one, number two. The reason why I bring this up is um, you know that I had X uh, that I had NBA 2K22 for Xbox Series X and PS5, right? I had it for both. That's right. Yeah. And I'll tell you something: the experience playing on the Series X actually was quite a bit better than playing it on the PS5 for both my brother and I. We both played it on both consoles um, against each other and on the same team. Um, it seemed like the gameplay um was more fluid for some reason on the series x um it was more reactive um it seemed to just overall play better i don't know i i i I don't know why i don't know if but but it was both of us like both of us experienced the um the same thing and you know i i don't know if you've ever had an experience like that with a release whether you know that was on two of the same gen systems and whatnot but we were appalled by it we were like what is happening like, that's, well, i don't understand why yeah. this game is just not fun uh not as fun on the ps5 yeah yeah i i can't think of any specific examples but i, I feel like i have had that experience before where i felt like oh the the, the when, when the pc was getting ps2 ports for nba live i feel like there might have been a, a time when one's felt more polished uh i mean the PC version of NBA Jam Tournament Edition is a little bit, a little bit rougher. There's some glitches that don't occur on from the arcade version or the uh, Super Nintendo version, and, and I'm not sure about the PlayStation version, but I don't think they're in there. From when I played with you over Parsec, I don't think they were in there. So, yes, some versions, I guess, uh, are the same, but, but the identical version, uh, the same version on two different platforms like that... Um, yeah, I can't think of any specific examples, but that is interesting. Uh, and, and that was with the same slider tweaks and everything like that? Everything was exactly the so everything same. Everything the same. It was identical, yeah, identical. And we used the same teams, too, mm. on both platforms. Yeah, it was really weird. Um, but I, I am going to be buying it for Series X first. Um, obviously, I'm going to be getting it for the PC because I do that every year. At some point, I'll get the PS5 version, and I'll let you know when that happens. But I think I'll be kicking things off with that Series X version. So, some good news with my team there. Great news, in fact, I would say. Uh, also got some news about the W this week. And it sounds, Derek, like it's going to be very uh, community-oriented. No, I think that's great. I think any way to get more of the community working together towards a common goal, I think that's always going to be welcome content and whatnot. I'm, I'm also interested in how many people actually play the W. Um, I know that the WNBA unfortunately isn't as popular as it should be or could be and whatnot i think that the the league overall has done a poor job marketing it i think you would agree Mm. outside of the first i don't know say five or six years that it existed um because they marketed the hell out of it back then and and it was pretty exciting and i watched the first few years of the wnba and it was it was enjoyable and whatnot um but I, i i my guess is that they're not making much if anything off of 
the WNBA portions of the game. And I, and I do think that's a shame because I think that the ladies in that league, um, that they deserve more respect and, you know, to be featured better and whatnot. Um, but yeah, I think that it's good that they are updating the WNBA aspects of the game and anything, like I said, anything that's community oriented where it's, you know, working together towards a common goal. I think that's welcome. Absolutely. And every season is going to feature six weekly goals that the community can work together to achieve. Uh, Achieving the collective goal, at least four out of the six weeks is going to grant every player in 2K23 a reward. Uh, Rewards include WNBA jerseys, logos, and also coach cards in my team. Uh, Those rewards are going to be earned exclusively through the W online. Uh, multiple seasons worth of WNBA jerseys available to outfit players in the W. Of course, the W is the uh, the career mode, the uh, WNBA equivalent of my career. Uh, contact challenges where you meet, make contacts with uh, WNBA legends and coaches and whatnot to get more badge progression, things like that. Uh, the WNBA All-Star Game has been added. Uh, the Mid-Season Commissioner's Cup has been added, as it has been to uh, my WNBA as well. And reaching level 10 in league popularity also unlocks uh, two expansion slots that you can then decide how the league is going to expand. So they're doing a few things there with the W, as they did with uh, my WNBA as well. I know there is a dedicated part of the community that does love the WNBA content. It is a shame that we're not getting any of this on current gen. How often do we say that? But yes, as far as the next gen version goes, they are giving some attention to the WNBA content, which uh, which again it was such a missed opportunity for NBA Live a couple of years ago when they brought WNBA into NBA Live. Uh, 2K has done that so much better. And, and yeah, it's becoming this very well-rounded uh, game with both the traditional NBA experience and the WNBA experience as well. Yeah, it's, I think it's great. I, I think just what 2K has done as far as giving people just so much content, uh, you know, between all-time teams and classic teams and all the my team content, and then obviously the detailed create a player feature, the uh, the ability in my NBA or my league if you're on PC, PS4, etc., um, to you know create your own jerseys, create your own court, you know, upload your own images, um, you know, be able to customize the Dornas, your arenas, all of that stuff. Now you can share that content, and now you also have player DNA swapping, copying and pasting, all of that stuff. The unbelievable amount of modes and options and just content that's an nba 2k is number one in sports gaming you and i've talked about this before whether we like the gameplay yeah you know whether we like the gameplay or not whether the content is always great or not they definitely have the most content and the most um most modes and, and content overall for people to sink their teeth into so um i applaud them on that i think that the gameplay between the lines will always be the most important aspect of any video game so um yeah i think that they've fallen short on that in many ways over the last few years so hopefully this is the year they get back on track and i've actually got a monday tip-off article going live tomorrow where i'll be talking about my uh, anticipation for nba 2k23 but as a, a quick uh, preview of that I am actually getting kind of hyped because I do like what I'm hearing about the content and the modes. My only concern, and it's kind of a big one, obviously, is gameplay. But if it's good enough to work with, with sliders, uh, that I can make those slider adjustments and enjoy the gameplay, I'm going to put an effort in this year because I want to play the Jordan Challenge. I want to give my team a go. I want to get into my NBA eras. So I will give the gameplay a chance and I'll I'll be working on some sliders to see if I can uh, improve the game if I don't completely love it out of the box. Uh, But yeah, that is kind of my concern is the gameplay. Everything else is sounding great, but I'm actually looking forward to 2K23, I I have to admit. Yeah, is this a midnight release type situation for you where 
if there was one in your area where you'd wait in line for this game? Um, you know what? Maybe, maybe. If I, if only to get it installed as quickly as I can and start creating content for it and, and get a, a head start on my review because I, I meant to write a review last uh, year for Two K Twenty Two. I ended up talking about it on the podcast more than writing about it, uh, and um, and then kind of summed up on the podcast that I wasn't feeling 2K22. But uh, yeah, I, I want to get into 2K23. You know, I mentioned at the top of the show that I've been doing this for 21 years now, longer if you include the time I was running the uh, NBA Live Domain, my site that I founded back in the day. And I have to admit that I'm feeling very refreshed at the moment, Derek. And I think it's taking a break from the latest game. It's going back and playing these older games with you. It's been playing 2K14 and, and taking a break from grinding in the new games that I'm I'm ready to, to really sink my teeth into a new game and create content for that. Not to say that I won't be still playing those old games and creating content for them. Of course, if nothing else, Wayback Wednesday is going to be coming out every week. But I'm really feeling refreshed and, and ready to go covering uh, 2K23 when it comes out. Since I've known you, this is by far the most momentum that you've had mm. in this space. That's the, that's the way I look at it. I think um, you definitely seem refreshed over the last, I'd say, maybe 15, 16 months. And I think it's kind of reflected in the podcast and the content that you've been, you know, uploading either to the YouTube or the articles that you write and everything. And you seem inspired Yes. over the last, you know, year and a half or so. And it's been really cool to see. And as you can see, I have I've been that way as well. I've been absolutely obsessed with basketball gaming uh, most of my life actually. Um, but over the last couple of years, it's, I've really sunk my teeth into collecting and, um, you know, posting more footage and, and all of that stuff, whether it be to the NLSC channel or my own channel and everything. And it's just been a lot of fun. And that's going to continue. We're, we're not looking to go anywhere. We're going to continue covering basketball games, new and old. So yeah, stay tuned. So Derek, our friend Nate, NBA Live 2001 legend, of course, along with Roger, sent in a question this week for this week's mailbag. So to that point, Let's open up the mailbag. To the mailman, the pump face. What an unbelievable dunk! So Nate asks, what players tend to play out of position in video games? Examples include Iverson listed at shooting guard, but it's better in gaming to play him at point guard, always putting the taller big at center regardless of listed position, and LeBron at small forward, but playing him at point guard. And of course, because it's uh, Live 2001 legend, Nate uh, Nate Starshow, I immediately think of that classic thread in the forum, uh, Kevin Garnett at point guard in uh, someone's franchise back in the day. I did give it a go myself in the game. That was uh, an interesting experience. A bit overrated compared to how much they hyped it up in that thread. But uh, but yeah, it's it's interesting to see, Derek, some players being out of position, either listed at the wrong position in games. Live 96 PC, I remember, had a lot of players, a lot of, a lot of power forwards who really should have been small forwards, some shooting guards who should have been point guards, things like that. And, uh, and yeah, playing them out of the listed position was the was the way to go, either because that was wrong and that was uh, what you should what they, what they should have been playing them at their, what should have been their position, or simply choosing to play them out of position because their uh, abilities made them more effective at another place. I love the fact that he brought up Allen Iverson because that's something I always do. So I'm not going to start Eric Snow. I'm sorry if I'm using the the Eric Snow Allen Iverson 76ers. I'm putting Allen Iverson at point guard and I'm putting Aaron McKee at shooting guard. Hmm. Bottom line, that's what I'm doing. Um, and then if I'm using the Nuggets in like 0607 or 0708, um, you think I'm going to start Anthony Carter or Chucky Atkins? No, no, I'm going to be putting Allen Iverson at point guard and I'm going to start J.R. Smith at two guard. So yeah, Allen Iverson has always been that player where he can play point guard or shooting guard, but you definitely want him handling the ball more. And so you always put him at point guard. I think that 
it's interesting with a lot of the past games and with some of the and with the newer games let's be completely honest where a player who is positions one through three so one two and three you can easily put any one of those positions at point guard and be effective or even more effective than if it was like the traditional point guard so for example nba 2k11 if my brother wanted to put Alonzo G, who's a small forward, if you wanted to put Alonzo G at point guard, then Alonzo G is going to be incredibly effective and absolutely kill the other team's point guard because he's like a souped up Julius Irving in that game. So, and then in some of the older games, you would mention Kevin Garnett being put put at point guard. If you really wanted to go all out and like throw out like a big lineup, uh, et cetera, you could throw, I don't know, like Al Harrington. You could throw Al Harrington, who's like a power forward. Uh, you could throw him at point guard in some of those older games. For example, like NBA shootout. And he's super fast. He can handle the ball and do the dribble moves and everything. He can shoot from the outside. He can slash. And you damn right you can get away with putting Al Harrington at point guard. And you can dominate in with him in those older games. So um, I think it's a lot easier, and I think you, you may agree with this, to get away with that than putting like a small forward at center or a power forward at center like an undersized power forward at center because you can get absolutely beat up on the boards in most basketball video games if you try to do that right like if i tried to put let's say mike dunleavy small forward mike dunleavy (laughs) yeah i tried to put him at center and i was up against i don't know let's say let's say uh hashim to beat or something like that i am gonna get absolutely smoked on the boards he's going to be dunking on me all game and it's going to be an absolute disaster so it's definitely easier to go the other way and have like threes and and twos and even some fours and everything play point guard as opposed to having smaller players play big i agree although there are exceptions uh kg being one again that you could play at the three four or five uh, fairly effectively that is Kevin Garnett a, a generational talent and uh with great uh, with great skills and, and some point guard skills obviously and the uh, the size to uh and, athle- and athleticism to do that uh to that point though I mean Kevin Garnett in a lot of games starting at small forward and listed on basketball reference as a power forward through most of his career and played center later on in his career as well but whether they had him at small forward and Gugulada at uh, power forward or Joe Smith at power forward when he joined the Timberwolves um, under the table as it was back in the day, if people remember that uh, whole fiasco. But whether they had uh, KG as a small forward or a power forward, and that would really also affect the matchups when you went against him in games. If you were, again, playing, for example, NBA Live 2002, you've got uh, MJ at small forward. Going up against uh, going against KG a small forward as well. So you and of course that is MJ and his uh, brilliance, of course. But you are going up against a much taller player because you've got KG a small forward there. Right. There's certain exceptions, obviously. Like if you have um, a big power, like power forward, like like an Elton Brand or like a Chris Weber, yeah, and whatnot. You a can bruiser, put those a bruiser. Center. Yeah. Right. If you can, you, yeah, yeah, you can do that. And then you've got to make up though for the loss of them at power forward. Like you, you're not going to like just move a smaller, small, like a small forward into the power forward position and then be fine on the boards. Right. And be fine defensively. You've got to cover. Like if you're going to put 
Chris Weber at center. You may want to put Thunderbird at power forward, right? Mm. Because he shores you up. He's strong overall, and he's long, and he can get some rebounds and everything. So you can't just move positions without thinking about stuff like that. I think that there are certain teams in history that are unique, like you stated, like where you can put Kevin Garnett at small forward. An example of that is like uh, the 0304 Pistons. If you wanted to go with a lineup where you put Rasheed Wallace at small forward and then Corliss Williamson at power forward and then Ben Wallace at center, you could get away with that. Right. Because Sheed was mobile. He stretched the floor. Um, he can put the ball on the floor. Etc. So there's definitely those unique teams and situations where you can get away with stuff like that. But it is funny how the older games work because I want to go back to this. There's there's a situation where my brother. Do you remember um, player? I think it's it's, it's Ansu Sasse. Oh yes, who played Sonics. for the Supersonics? Yeah. Exactly. So my brother always drafted Sasse, and Sasse is a legend in our house. And this is my brother Mark, not Nick, and he always used to put small forward Sasse. Um, at point guard and we would absolutely get killed by him so he's a guy that you could get away with that with um and you shouldn't be able to but you can and nate and roger are finding out when they play a game like shootout 2004 that you can use a, a point guard like bobby jackson like he's michael jordan as far as like driving the lane and throwing it down and everything so if bobby jackson is doing that in shootout 2004 there's a chance that you might be able to put a guy like bobby jackson at shooting guard or small forward and get away with it you know what i mean so oh, he yeah. can go up positions and whatnot so um yeah i think a lot of it depends on the game that you're playing but i think historically the way it works it's a lot easier to get away with um small forwards power forwards etc being brought down to point guard than and vice versa and it's easier to create mismatches in those older games because you don't necessarily have the the switching and the the on the floor, the CPU making those automatic adjustments to uh, defensive matchups. So they won't make that adjustment if you do have a player out of position that's going to create a mismatch. They're not going to uh, make the defensive rotation and change up the matchups. Uh, so you can create those mismatches uh, kind of uh, in a cheesy way sometimes, but it can be it definitely can be very fun when you do that against another another player. Yeah, you know what my brother used to do that used to drive Nick and I insane is we would do a drafted season and he would put, it would be like Sean Bradley and Yao Ming on the same team. (laughs) And he would stack bigs like that. And then he would get like Troy Murphy for small forward for so so 6'10". And then he would get like, um, I don't know, maybe Pager. And Pager, you would put it shooting guard. And Pager is 6'10. So we would play against um, a seven foot, like a seven foot six, seven, two seven foot six guys, a 6'10 guy, another 6'10 guy. And then he would throw like a random guy, like Dan Dickow or something at <laughs> point guard. And it didn't matter who it was as long as they could shoot the three and everything. And it was so hard to score on him because he would just pack the paint and he'd be so long all over the floor um, and whatnot. So that's an example of putting players out of position. And if he didn't, if he couldn't get like Sean Bradley in the draft and he could only get Yao Ming, but he could maybe get like Dikembe Mutombo or something like that, he would put Dikembe Mutombo at power forward and Yao Ming at center. So he would still try to get that, that dynamic out there. So yeah, there's a lot of other examples I could probably come up with, you know, if I, if I thought about all my years in basketball gaming, um, but yeah, I think of my brother like using those seven foot 
stacking seven foot six or seven foot five or seven foot seven guys, you know, on his team and, and playing that way. I mean, let's not forget Mr. Do It All, play all five positions, Keon Dooling in NBA 2K7. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it, Ke- Keon Dooling, you could probably put at multiple positions in 2K7 and he could absolutely torch you. You experienced that when you played against me when we played that game on Parsec. And I did some damage with TJ Ford, but it wasn't anything like the high-flying antics of dueling. I, I was laughing. I-, I wish we were mic'd up for that game because I was laughing so much at every ridiculous drive and big dunk by dueling. And, and then, then it hit some threes as well. It, again, do everything, play all five positions, the, uh, the GOAT dueling. Yeah, 100%. I, I love video game legends. You know that. Oh, I love sure. talking about him. I love Jumpin' Joe. Joe Alexander. We, we, my brothers and I relive the video game legends moments all the time. Whenever my brother Mark visits and it's all three of us hanging out, we, we constantly talk about him. Listeners, uh, let us know your video game legends, the, the players that, uh, that just were just ridiculously good in games, whether they were overpowered or you just knew how to use them effectively. Uh, the bench warmers and the role players that just became superstars in your hands. Uh, as, as, as you said, Derek, so much fun. Yeah, it doesn't get old. It doesn't get old um, overperforming with a player. Uh, we had a blast when we played NBA 2K7, and you know I scored 30-plus, I, I want to say, with TJ Ford, and you went off with Keon Dueling and everything. And then we had that video game Legends matchup on nba live 10 where i did a lot of damage with damage with to and kirk heinrich and troy murphy and you know you were killing me with jumping joe alexander and whatnot and travis i outlaw. thought that and travis yeah travis outlaw went off in that game too uh and raja bell hit a few threes like video game legends um you remember delante west in the nba live 10 tournament oh for sure with that unbelievable performance um, by Cavs 4872. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't get old. It's so fun to see players overachieve in video games and in real life. And of course, if you want to give Kevin Garnett a go at point guard, do so in Life 2001 or indeed any game with uh, with KG in it. Yeah, KG is one of the rare players that you literally can put at any position and he can be effective. But Nate, thank you so much for that question. Uh, we appreciate you tuning to the show each and every week, you and Roger. And uh, yeah, we have to get you. Uh, we have to get the guys back on again soon, Derek. Yeah, I'd love to have them on the show. Um, they're eager to get back on as well uh, because they had a blast the last time they were on, and you know we were discussing NBA Live 2001 and their gaming habits and 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 whatnot. They do such a great job with their Live 01 Legends channel on youtube and they have quite the following um and they work hard on their instagram as well and they've had many interactions with with past players and whatnot about that content um guys like greg Ostertag and everything and i think uh, it would be cool to talk to them about those interactions on the podcast definitely we're gonna have to uh set that up once uh, 2k23 comes out and we've uh, finished talking about all the news that's coming through we will definitely get some of these uh, some of our, our friends back on the show nate and roger ken still 33 of course uh, yeah, and other guests we will definitely be open to as well. But that has brought us to the end of the show. As always, we thank you for tuning in and invite you to join us next week, either on the NLSC, mb-live.com, our YouTube channel, or your podcast app of choice. In the meantime, we'd love to connect with you on social media, where you can get in touch with us, and of course, stay up to date with all of our content. To that end, Derek, I'll throw over to you to promote those handles. Absolutely. Uh, get to me on Twitter at d for 384 and at d for 3 g that's where I'm the most active. Uh, also, tune into my YouTube, where I'm uploading gameplay often now, um, d for 3 uh, Also, tune into the NLSC YouTube. I'm, put, I'm uploading a lot of content uh, to that channel lately as well, and then I'm also d for 3 on the NLSC. I am Andrew in the forum, and Andrew NLSC on Twitter. 
The NLSC is on Twitter and Facebook at the NLSC. Our Instagram is NLSC Basketball. Our aforementioned YouTube channel is youtube.com slash NBA Live Series Center. And of course, keep a lock to the NLSC itself, nb-live.com, for everything we do for basketball video games. So, thank you once again for tuning in, and until next time, I'm Andrew. And I'm Derek. Go get buckets, everyone. Yeah.